Sponsored by Gunk Club. Hate shopping, but like oozy dripping things that come in heavy packages, sign up for Gunk Club today and have gross stuff delivered to your home or office. Try our new Gunk Drone Delivery. Just a disgusting flying thing splattering your windows till you reach out and grab it. Gunk Club, our specialists are standing by, covered in filth. Nothing matters. Previously on Dale Radio. He loved it very much until he had a giant party for it and all of Vienna showed up. They were, again, they had made friends with the doll. They had accepted that this is, this is what artists do and we're here to support it. <laughs> and then he ritualistically beheaded the doll in front of everyone. Well, um, and people were crushed. People as were one very does. upset about sure, it. Sure, sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Dale, and this is my life as it happens in a single story told week after week after week. And you're listening to another episode of Dale Radio coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Now, on this episode, I found myself in the lovely Brooklyn home of comedian and performer Dan Minky. And Dan is the mind behind, uh, and the voice, and I guess the hands, <laughs> behind one of my leading competitors in the city, the Artie Need Show. Artie is a puppet, and he hosts a talk show called, appropriately enough, as I said, the Artie, Artie Need Show. And it's a, it's a wild time, and uh, if I have to go up against a diminutive man made out of paper mache I want it to be this guy. I tell you, it was a thrill to continue my efforts to bring more puppetry to the radio. Puppets work so well in audio, and this, uh, I didn't even realize, counts as my second <laughs> puppet that I've interviewed. And uh, you see, when you interview a puppet, you got to look right at the puppy. You don't ever look at the operator. You have to be just making eye contact with, uh, I guess contact is a little... A bit of an odd, but you're you're looking at the two holes where the eyes are, and uh, you just you don't you don't break that, and you you just pretend, <laughs> you pretend there's a person not standing there pulling strings or moving the mouth. They really do come alive. It's I mean, if you're scared of puppets, it, it's probably not a great idea for you. And I might well, we've all had dreams like that, haven't we? Where we get up in front of the class and all the students are puppets. Just nude puppets. Well, many years ago, as I was just starting out, I hosted my own on-air puppet show, and I mentioned this during the during the interview uh, with Dan. And this was in Berkeley, California, home of people who just discovered gardening, women in wide-leg linen pants, and where the guy behind the counter at the bookstore is probably someone your parents really cared about in college when they <laughs> when they were there. I mean, some some real thinkers. But what are they doing now? Well, they're selling chat books. And uh, the thing that we did uh, was a religious show, and it was live on Sunday mornings. It was called The Good Word. And I hosted along with a puppet friend who I described as being very elaborate, but who in fact was just a piece of cloth. Why did I even put it on my hand? I don't know. But as I said, one has to pretend around puppets. We have to, you know, keep up the illusion for them. Uh, 
I did. I wore this shock-like thing, and I talked about uh, a, you know, a sort of progressive interpretation of the Bible. And it was two, three hours long. I bet we changed some people's lives in, uh, that morning. And I do know that most people changed the channel because we, we were only on the once. <laughs> and look, I felt bad. I hired about 30 writers. We had interns from the schools of journalism and Scandinavian rhetoric there, two great recording engineers. I really thought it was going to stick. You know, and when you have that first taste of thing, you think, I'm going to go all in. And it was kind of a sad company picnic that we had the following weekend. I'd already booked the field at Tilden Park, and I spent a decent chunk of my radio advance on a tie-dye station and to have the legendary Huey Lewis in the news uh, play after the hot dog races. Well, the tie-dye shirts became more like cry-dye shirts. <laughs> There was a lot of sobbing. Uh, I didn't realize people had given up their jobs, left fiancés, moved across the country just to be a part of this thing. And I had to hug them all, which, look, I should have let my T-shirt dry. (laughs) Is all I'm saying. I know now. Don't try to wear it right away because all those weeping women and men and the children, just ink got everywhere. And I ruined some nice trousers that day. Huey Lewis was so great, though, they never lost it. It really, I mean, just all the way through, uh, right through the arch, and uh, even today. And even though it was just me, uh, my elderly neighbor Douglas, and a stray hiker, who now that I think about it, might have lived in the park. He had a beautiful walking stick with feathers and bottle caps, like a wizened Stephen Tyler just back from wilderness camp. Well, it's hard to say goodbye to dreams, but once you live in Los Angeles, you get used to it. It's a daily occurrence there. I, I dream... Uh, I'll be on time for this meeting. Nope, should have taken the surface streets. I dream I'll meet someone. Nope, turns out she makes too much money for you and you feel inadequate all the time and she's the one sending you flowers at work. Expensive, expensive flowers. You dream that you'll be discovered wrong again. You discover that you can't live like this, a realization that strikes you as you rifle through the disorderly pants section of a Ross dress for less and little Armenia, and you end up sobbing in housewares, because why is the store such a mess, and whoever buys bottles of pepper and olive oil at a Ross dress for less? And your sniffling catches the attention of a woman with long toenails curving over the top of her flip-flops, and she bends down, and you think she's going to hug you or offer you some encouraging words, but she just softly says, You are sitting on a placemat I wanted. (laughs) Only when your dreams are wrung out of you like that, searching for discount potholders for an apartment that'll never feel like home, that's the moment you know you're ready to move to New York. (laughs) Saying goodbye is hard, but in New York, you only know forward. No time to stop. Busy, busy, busy. On to the next, a beautiful, gleaming city where no one can afford to have a very public breakdown in the middle of a clothing store full of Kenneth Cole's seconds and Michael Kors' mistakes. No, we're we're moving. But you know, every now and again here you see someone from your past life. You end up in a line at a halal cart behind an old college girlfriend whose paintings you once admired. Or your exterminator ends up being a fellow you kissed during your experimental phase. Or you run into one of your ex-employees from your failed religious puppet radio show at the Genius Bar at the Apple Store, and you think, ha! How funny to run into you after all this time. How are you? I bet the kids are grown by now, and I'd love to find out more, but I can't get my home iTunes library to sync with my phone, and I'm in a bit of a hurry. Got a show later? Oh, it's great to reconnect if it's someone you're physically attracted to. So, 
Let's get on with today's show. This is I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have Dan on. It was a pleasure to go over there. Anytime someone opens up their home and offers me a nice cool beverage, um, it's always welcome. And uh, <laughs> we really got along. And then to find out uh, uh, that he's uh, from a place I know well, that was a little bonus, and uh, uh, it really kind of brought it together. And I, I tell you, there's sometimes you just meet somebody that has a certain uh, kinship, some kind of artistic sensibility that you recognize as familiar. And he's a great uh, admirer of, of late-night shows, and we talked about that, and we talked about uh, Letterman, and uh, and a good chunk of it is spent uh, talking to Artie Need, as I said. So uh, it's great, and if you do get a chance to see one of his shows, um, uh, I think June 4th is the next one, so, so be sure and do that. But how about this? How about a couple of my shows? <laughs> And thanks to Time Out New York. Did you see that spread, folks? My goodness, that is lovely. So nice of them to... I'm not saying that they said that I was, you know, next in line for any kind of thing, but it's certainly... I mean, you know, you read in between there. And uh, my, it was just real nice to be included, and I appreciate that. And it just came at the right moment that I needed a little uh, pick-me-up, you know, because we're getting towards the end of the... Se- at the end of the season... And I'm, you know, questioning everything. I thought this, this was going to be the season to turn around, and, and it has in, in many respects. But in others, here we are. So here's the, here's, the, here's the deal. We've got some shows coming up. And I always get energized by these shows. And one of the people sharing that Time Out article was our dear friend Scott Rogowski. And I'll be on his program Thursday, May 21st. That sounds like today. <laughs> and I'll be sharing some secrets of my life there with uh, 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 his father, the sidekick Marty, and uh, uh, Robert Klein, comedy legend, is going to be. That will be Caroline's on Broadway, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So get some tickets. Then uh, I'll be down in Maniunk, Philadelphia, uh, headed your way. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> is that what they say down there? I need some water. <laughs> well, I got lots of Wawa jokes ready for my time hosting Carnaccia's Comedy corner at the Venice Island Performing Arts Center. Fancy name for a place that's that's probably not not that fancy. Venice Island makes it seem like it might maybe there's some pasta. And you never know. There is some good Italian food there. Tickets are twenty five dollars, but I tell you what, it's a stellar lineup. And a lot of good people on there. Uh, Randy Lawson, who's been on this program, she's gonna be there and some other uh, great folks and Michael uh, as well. And then on Tuesday, May 26th, 8 p.m., we're going to close out the season with another live show at the pit in the underground. Of course, with a season uh, finale that's sure to please. We have a new lineup. Here's what happened. You're looking forward to hearing me pronounce Charla Lauriston over and over again. Well, me too. But she wrote today, uh, uh, right, right after I sent the press release out, and uh, that's literally the moment I sent it out. So let that be a lesson to me. Check with the talent first. But you want it all to work for you. Just hope it's going to. You got it. You just dig in and you think, gosh, let this be the one. Anyhow, she called up to uh, to say that uh, she's going to be in Los Angeles. And she got some kind of gig there. And, uh, you know, more, that's great. I feel happy when other people, you know, a rising tide raises um, all the, the, the. The fact is she's out, but look who's in. Maria Heinig is in. Maria, who I've wanted to get on this season, but it wasn't looking hot. Our schedule's very difficult to get together. Anyhow, destiny has intervened. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to Charlotte at some point, but uh, Maria will be there with Josh Sharp, Emma Wilman, and superstar Aparna Nancherla. I mean, 
goodness, that's a that's a show, folks. With Steve O'Reilly there playing the guitar. Uh, get some tickets. Come and see me. It's ten dollars or something like that, and uh, probably a buck if you're affiliated with the pit. So, a, a dollar is what it's going to set you back if you take classes there. I think that this show is worth a dollar. <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> so get some tickets. Come see me. And then that's going to be the last time for me for a little bit. I don't know. Uh, uh, with that with that show, uh, it's gonna. I'm just going to see what the summer brings. I'm, I'm going to take the summer off. But uh, uh, more about that at a later date. Okay. Uh, uh, now uh, let's listen to my talk with Dan Menke of the Artie Mead Show. Dan Menke, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm in your home. and uh, You were invited. <laughs> thank you for putting me in the basement where yeah. I'm most comfortable, <laughs> surrounded by the spoils of running your own puppet talk show, doing great. This is How's your day been so far? It's been good. You know, the, uh, the life of a puppeteer, it's, uh, it's not a lot happening in the morning. <laughs> You'd think that I'd have like no. the morning show with the kids. Yeah, no, no, not yet. Right. right. So you have a nice leisurely kind of time of it. Mm-hmm. Make an omelet or something, do I, you? I did. Yeah. <laughs> did you get here earlier and we're watching? I've me? been yeah. to this neighborhood before. Yeah. I made, I did make an omelet. How was it? It was great. Good. <laughs> I like it. And you have a small child, don't you? Yeah, she threw the omelet everywhere. And that's how we started off the day. <laughs> well, you got to break a few eggs, don't you? That's what they say. In childhood and growing up and mm-hmm. maturing and all that kind of stuff. I don't care for children very much, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad you have one. They do worm their way into your heart uh, eventually over time. And I've certainly grown to care for my niece's daughter, Pepsi. Uh, they uh, came to live with us, uh, me. <laughs> A few years ago, I feel like it's us, though, now. You used, you're used to a solitary life, and then it becomes us, and then you're just talking about it in those kind of terms. Anyhow, did you do a home birth? Uh, no, we did not. Good for you. We were lunatics who went to a hospital. Ah, good. We decided to leave it to the people who, who do that for a living. No dolphin pool. No dolphin pool. And, and uh, the thing about the, <laughs> our current uh, situation, to have... A uh, home birth in a one-room apartment. <laughs> a little tight. I don't know if I... Yeah, a little tight. Good choice of words. And, uh, you know, it's the screaming... I think the type of screaming, if that was happening here in this neighborhood, that it would end badly. I yeah, you think it. your neighbors would be aware? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would be in the pool, at the door, and in the kitchen all at the same time with the setup that we have. So That's that would a lot work. to juggle. That would not work. And the cleanup. Oh, yes. There's a lot of paper towels involved. Yeah. Or what? Warm right. towels and, a, and some kind of pot of water. That's, that's what they always had. And a Swiffer now. <laughs> I think it's that's modernized. The, that's the home the birth is modernized, man. I think they usually they go for a wet Swiffer. <laughs> and we thank they've got fine folks at Swiffer for their good work. Well, as we record this, it's rare that I do any sort of you know current event other than the weather. And by the way, I think it's perfect temperature out there. Yeah. Uh, really nice day today. Not too hot, not too cold. But today and tonight, we'll say goodbye uh, to the late show with David Letterman. 
that television program. And uh, as somebody who currently, I'm talking about you now. Okay. <laughs> I do too, but you do. Uh, you produce a talk show in New York. That's right. Uh, are you relieved that there's one less competitor? I am, yeah. <laughs> you got to really feel good. Yeah, yeah. He had like thousands of people on that show. Yeah, they got to go now, somewhere. Now they have to, they're going to come to the back of the bowling alley where I do my show. I'm sure that that <laughs> is what's going to happen. He, yeah, he was one of the first uh, talk shows that I watched. That you know he was edgy when he came when he came out. Yeah, which is I think is hard to believe for if you're let's say you're 20 now. Okay, people don't get it. <laughs> I'll say I'm 20. Yeah, now. say you're 20. Yeah, I'll I take will. a 20 year old's liver. <laughs> Uh, Tell me, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, no, he was, he was. And today, if you look at the landscape, as it as it yeah. were, uh, <laughs> a little less edgy. Yeah, and I like after the word landscape. Did you hear that? Yeah, this is dead air after. Yeah. We just both were really thinking about that. <laughs> That's an idea. Yeah. A lot of this program is dead air. Mm. <laughs> Boy, you know, I can't tell people's ages anymore on account of my uh, uh, arthritic arithmetic. But did you grow up watching him? I did. From a very young age? I did. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I love Carson. Did you watch Carson, too? And then I, right into Letterman? That's how it worked. That's how it worked. And, uh, you know, what I've read about the Steve Allen program, you, you read anything about that? I am such a talk show nerd, and believe it or not, pre-internet, yeah. going way back here. Uh-oh. When I moved to New York, I would put a token into the turnstile, get on the train, Oh, my. Pre-fluorescent lighted train. They had the hand crank it. Right, that's point. right. The pneumatic tube frame. Up town. And I would go to the film and television museum. Yeah. And you would have to check out uh, beta tapes, I think they were. Yeah. And you would pick. Still, still a superior format. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, yeah, I'm yeah. holding on to it. Yeah. I shoot all my shows on beta. <laughs> yeah. I have the last Sony Betamax working. Top load. Yeah. You're, you're ahead of the curve. Load, top you're load. You're ahead on this one. I have to have a production assistant sit on it to get that thing to shut. <laughs> but I would get out. You would pick. I don't know if you ever did this, but they had the old Apple standalone computers, and you would type in yeah. these random numbers and get episodes of talk shows. And I would get you know Jack Parr and Early Carson and all those, and yeah. sort of kind of see where the talk show thing came from. Well, there's a great book I think about inventing late night or something about Steve Allen because a lot of those tapes and a lot of those the footage of that show burned in a fire. Right. So it's almost yeah. as if it didn't exist. Yeah, which is good for us because then you can just say that you, you came can, up with it. That's, that's right. <laughs> you were the first to integrate your right. talk show, right? Jazz performers, and I'm and I'm also going to light all my stuff on fire so, <laughs> that's before the, it airs. That's I my think thing. that's the way to do it. Yeah, Ernie because, Kovacs is another weird one. Another great one. Yeah, yeah, because he was somebody that he was the one that the first guy that I always said in my research where he built a set sideways. This is one of his gags. I don't know if you've seen this footage. Now you can see it on YouTube, but yeah. I had to seek out this episode. It took me weeks to find it. My dad had told me about this. He built the set almost almost sideways and then tilted the camera so it looked straight. And he sat down and he made breakfast and then he poured a glass of milk. This is going to be great on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. physical bits really yep. going to work right yep. now. I had to see. Poured the milk and it shot across into his <laughs> glass. You know, and in the 50s, I think that that just blew everyone's mind that was like probably seeing like phantom menace or something like 
That was CGI. Right. Milk shooting across <laughs> right. is the CGI. How did it happen? Some kind of magic. It had to be. Let y'all get one of these boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I do hope that um, this program, and, and since you've expressed it, your program, do the records do go up in flames. Yeah. Because... If you just look through history, just as you're talking about, you know, the oral, the people that survive through oral tradition, mm-hmm. those are the winners. They get the good, because, you That's know, right. not, every, not everybody was as good as they say, but you get the highlights, and then it kind of gets embellished. Yeah, you right. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, Jesus. Right. I yeah, mean, yeah. he was probably yeah. just kind of okay. That's true. You know, nobody's like that good. Like, Jesus is just all right. Just all right. He's just all right. That's right. <laughs> but good for him. But right, yeah. No pictures. No we pictures. don't have any photographic evidence. No movies. No embarrassing Instagram feed. Uh-oh. He wasn't tagged. Jesus wasn't tagged in anyone's photos. Oh, he might be. Yeah, he's. <laughs> hey, right. you got to be careful. Some yeah. uh, footprints in the sand pictures. You never know. Mm-hmm. I don't tag anybody. But uh, you know, some of the guys um, uh, who were on. It matters when you encounter them in life, too, doesn't it? You yeah. We're talking about some of these talk show hosts, and as you said, some people encounter it now. You might say, well, it's not relevant, or it's not as edgy, right. it's just kind of soft, or maybe you only see a clip. Carson uh, was kind of like my grandfather, you right. know, when I was watching, even though I'm up in years myself. He just, his behavior was in line with older guys that I knew from the car club or the VFW halls, that kind of thing. They right. drank, they smoked, they flirted with Angie Dickinson. Right. She was very difficult to get out of the room when she got her in. <laughs> right. We appreciate her work. Anyway, I digress, which is my specialty. Uh, so was Letterman an influence directly on how you put together your show, which we should say the Artie Need Show is what the thing's called. That's right. It's called the Artie Need Show. <clears throat> and uh, I would say all of them, I was kind of poking fun at some current shows that the interviews seem a little stale or a little produced i guess you would say overly produced yeah and then i i would say that uh you know somebody like conan sort of came along and mixed up what letterman had done and there's this sort of like different levels of talk shows that like you're saying as time goes by like somebody new comes along and shakes it up and then they move up and kind of become not not stale, but they are no longer the edgy young person. And then someone else comes in and does that over and over. So I, I think with Artie Need, I kind of try to span all those and sort of make fun of all of it. The whole or, world of the, yeah, the talk Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the things that are a little tired but are also necessary. Because it's easy to say, oh, why is there always a band? I want to make fun of that. But then when you actually produce your own talk show, you realize why there is a band. It's a necessary... <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's, there's that. And I... And since it is a marionette, the show is hosted by an 18-inch marionette. You do not see me. Right, that's here. already neat. That's already neat. He's the character, yeah. And he's kind of, he's sort of a confused, uh, drunken, like, out-of-touch host. Yeah. And From um, a different era? Yeah, from a different era. Yeah. I, I kind of like to, his history is that he was passed over for the job of Howdy Doody because he was too dirty. And he's just been, like, doing <laughs> his show in obscurity, Joe Franklin style. Right. Whether, you know, whether anyone likes it or not. <laughs> And that allows a lot of fun because I think that there are the people that I've had on my show, especially that are in their 20s, they don't have that reference point of like you had to watch Carson. To get it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. don't. So, which was sort of a rite of passage, passage, like coming up, you had to watch that. But now none of that makes any sense to them. So yeah. you, you can kind of make fun of these things that are like you know, the classic things that are always on talk shows. Well, it was fantastically thrilling to be a young person and be able to stay up late 
right. then know this whole world existed, and they were just making each other laugh. Yeah, you had to wait to watch it. That's yeah. the other thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Not you could. It wasn't on demand or anything like this. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Like this show. That's right. You have to be up really late to catch it. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's right. You're going the other way. You're going it's, to make people wait. It's better. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything specific mm. from Letterman, too, we talked a little bit about it, that that was, you can cite as an influence. I know for me, Chris Elliott's bits, I just love. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bud Melman, just two characters that really etched themselves into mm-hmm. my, as, in terms of the potential of what you could do. And the fact that Chris was like this demented superhero, just fearless, yeah. and also of this kind of... Um, uh, near Earth orbit distance, able to comment on everything—the phoniness of celebrity or mm-hmm. whatever—kind yeah, yeah. of amplifying some of Letterman's feeling, and just a perfect, perfect yeah. uh, uh, character. And I think he is, in fact, a little bit like that. And then uh, Melman, uh, 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 Calvert DeForest—is that his mm-hmm. name? DeForest, something. Uh, just this pungent old prune of a fellow, yeah, <laughs> screaming about things. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. From watching Carson, you know, and Rickles and his his crew that was on a lot, yeah, Dom DeLuise and like the sort of rotating uh, cast that he would have, I would say for me, those people on Letterman would have been like when Super Dave Osborne would come on. Oh yeah, I mean that blew my mind. I was like, I had stayed up and watched Carson, <laughs> and Charles Broden would kind of play up like not wanting to be on the show, <laughs> right? And in a way. It seemed like Chris Elliott was the Charles Grodin of Letterman in a way. He would do the thing he didn't... Uh, you don't want to hear about this, Dave, that whole thing. <laughs> and when Howard Stern would come on, it was sort of... You felt like, when are the censors going to stop this? Yeah. This is way too crazy. This is not my dad's talk show. That sounds corny to say, <laughs> but it's like the Oldsmobile thing, right? It's, you know, And Letterman felt that way when it was on. And I, you know, jumping against the big Velcro wall... Seemed um, like anything could happen. The top ten lists, books coming out. So you would go to the bookstore and you would get this oh, book. Oh, right, right. You know, I was that kid who was with the glasses <laughs> on my mongoose riding up to Walden Books to buy the top ten list books. Yeah. And that and then I got into Not Necessarily the News with Rich Hall. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I was actually the only person standing outside the theater when Rich Hall did stand-up a couple of years ago. And I have my Sniglets book. And I was like, would you sign it? Uh-oh. And he wrote in my book, he wrote, congratulations on having cable. <laughs> <laughs> What a humor section of yeah. the bookstore was a real that was a real thing. It was about a foot long. It was all Garfield books, which <laughs> I think should not be in the humor section. I would move them. That, that was, was always, my first. It was always contentious. Move a protest. It? Yeah, it's uh-huh. kind of the same joke every, right. every time. Yeah, that yeah. and Marmaduke. This should not. <laughs> oh, be. Marmaduke. Yeah, this should be in self help. I think Marmaduke is the Babadook. <laughs> right. I'm not interested in that fella. No. It's not funny. Great Dane wearing sunglasses. I don't want to take a controversial stance on this show. I do. But I, I don't <laughs> find Marmaduke to be very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's a soundbite that you do. Coming up. That's what's going to get spun on the news. That's we, right. You know, local podcast. In the Twitterverse, that's going to be... <laughs> Is he a big dog? He's a big dog. He's a big dog wearing Ray-Bans, which is freaking hilarious. <laughs> he had sunglasses on all the time? A lot of times at the end, he would kick back, and there would be like half a sandwich. Oh, like in a like in a hammock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he would have the Ray-Bans on, and someone would be shrugging. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. palms up. Yeah. Or wrists to hips for radio. Oh. So people know there's that, like... Yep. Fed up thing with that crazy dog and his wild antics. (laughs) I I was an Andy Catman myself. 
Yeah. <laughs> I really wish that someone would do a Pixar movie of Marmaduke. Has that been done? Would that please? Can there be a CGI Marmaduke movie? I think there so, was. Has that been done? Yeah. I don't think. I missed they, it. I don't think the good folks at Pixar had anything Darn to do it. with I, it. Maybe they could make it. They could help it yeah, out. They I, could make it good. It might be from the studio that brought you Scooby Doo. Oh. They did yeah. Marmaduke. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, if people have watched it, please write in. Let us know. Yeah, let us how know. I don't know. <laughs> so, already need though. Right. You created this how long ago? You said you're on your fiftieth some show. Yeah, the live show is been going for about four years in New York, and then when I um, four years of monthly shows, or you said mm-hmm. you did it twice a month for yeah. a little bit. Um, and Ooh. I did it. I used to record it on cassette. Good Tascam four track. Yeah, it's a smart move. On my apartment on Canal Street in the mid nineties, and I would just go out and see bands. And if I liked the band, I would say you should come over and do my radio show. Which I was never on the radio. <laughs> that's like this program. Right. <laughs> see, I'm full circle now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I wanted to talk to you because I knew we had a lot in common. So it started. She so had bands you, know, you like come over and talk to you as a puppet. Yeah, and we would just no. I <laughs> let me clarify. I didn't go that far. Oh. I didn't have the puppet yet. I would just do the voice, and I had a bunch of my brother's guitar pedals out. He has a bunch of crazy guitar gear, and I would have the show interrupted by like four minutes of distortion, and it was just, it was way more experimental. But as I kept doing it and giving the tapes to people, I had a very small, I mean like eight people that loved the show. My cousin out in San Francisco was one of them. She said, (laughs) I would drive around and listen to Artie Need. I was like, really? Okay. So one person likes this. Yep. I got a a band in Ohio that does that. There you go. Yep. That's And that's why you do it. That's why. If I can just make one person laugh, I'm doing a shitty job. (laughs) Uh, Then my friend Eric Senko, who is a very established musician and artist in his own right, came over my house one day and he was like, I think this is what Artie Need looks like. And he had built this crazy marionette. <laughs> and That's awfully nice. It's, it is and also weird. <laughs> yeah. I've never been given a marionette. Well, I'll give you that. And so I, um, a friend of mine was a director and I said, would you want to, sh- maybe we should shoot a TV pilot. Yeah. So we shot a pilot and uh, Kevin Corgan from Goodfellas and Freaks and Geeks and a bunch of other great movies. Uh, he was the first guest. And then Jay Spartak, uh, it was great, another great actor. has been yeah. a bunch of stuff. Those are my two guests. And then, like, six months later, I was pitching it to MTV and Comedy Central and Bravo and everybody. And uh, Comedy Central bought it. And they had me write four scripts because they didn't trust the guy with the puppet. I had came into their office in the pitch meeting and I pulled the puppet out of the oh. Time Warner cable bag <laughs> and, like, a bunch of trash. And, like, yeah. just did some, like, just riffed on the guy's office and kind of made fun of him. Oh. And he liked it. Yeah, that and they bought okay. the show. <laughs> <laughs> but not enough to air it. Uh, yeah, so you made it. Yeah, they I they, they paid to have some some of these made. Uh they paid me to write them. I wrote four episodes and then they never aired it. Oh. And then that's when I started doing it live after I sort of licked my wounds like I, I thought that was my my break. You were done. Yeah, you, that's why, really why, was why like, wouldn't you? You know, you're in the office, there was multiple uh pitch meetings and it just felt Right. I was like, oh, because they really got it, yeah. actually. I mean, I'm not talking, like, smack on them. They Like, he loved sure. the show. He loved the idea. And I remember him saying, you see this stack of scripts on my desk? And he had a stack of scripts that, as if you were, like, straight out of if you were casting, like, Dirty Office. I mean, it was like, he had to look <laughs> over them. And he was like, you'd think there'd be one good idea in here. And there isn't. I just remember him saying that. <laughs> so it felt good to have risen to the top yeah. of there. 
But well, so how, that's how did you get their attention, though? Did you, they just saw it online? Somebody forwarded it to them? You had people uh, working on your behalf? I had a producer friend of mine uh, give them the DVD case that an artist friend of mine did this great uh, cover for. Yeah. It just was, it made you open it up. He's a really great uh, designer. And somehow an intern had given it, like passed it around over there. And that's how, you know, it was one of those stories. I didn't, I wasn't represented. They were like, well, we have to talk to your people. I was like, you're looking at them. (laughs) You know, it was one of those. (laughs) So that's that. I mean, that's how it started, you know. That's and you've been doing the live shows and still mm-hmm. having different guests on and that kind of thing and still have a band on. I usually try to have three guests on each show. Well, it's it, it's great and what I've seen of it, I've enjoyed. I haven't seen Good. it in person, but I I, I I hope to. Well, he's in that bag behind <laughs> you, so Which, you, you want to bring him out <laughs> if you really wanted to see the puppet. Well, it is it is behind you in a bag. That little bag, you know. I talked to you know Carla Rhodes, of ventriloquist. We don't Cecil Sinclair. I've talked to puppets before on this program, and it always goes well. <laughs> I love that. I love the notion that of that of puppetry on the radio. Yeah, it's one of my great goals in life. In fact, I, I had I had a show uh, for a while in in Berkeley. I love it, and uh, kind of a religious uh, theme show. Um, but maybe that's for another time. Have you ever done the opposite? <laughs> Um, like you what? could have puppets on video, but no sound. Oh, that also, Maybe you're missing. Your... That also sounds compelling. <laughs> if you're going to have a puppet on radio. <laughs> well, can we get him uh, here without much trouble? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. I don't know if you want to. It might take me one second to, uh, I don't know if you need to. Or... Well, let's, we'll pause here and we'll get it. Yeah. All right. So now Artie Need is with us. Uh, Artie, Hello. Hello. <laughs> Looking good. I I like your bow tie and your sharp, sharp uh, uh, sartorial sense there. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of sartorial sense. <laughs> Quite the fashion. But how's you? You been? How you enjoy the bag? <laughs> I do. I'm always in the bag. <laughs> Halfway, all the way. Oh, you got snacks in there or something? Uh, well, is gin a snack? <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Yeah. It certainly is a friend. Yeah. And uh, how 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 are things generally going? You you happy with the show that you have? I am always happy with the show I have. I have a lot of fun kids that stop by the show and tell the jokes. And last month we had Sam Morell. Do you know Sam? Oh sure, yeah. He was on and offended everyone. It was great. <laughs> oh, and you, I gather you you had a, a bit of a difficult history with showbiz. I have. That's why my show every year I charge less. I'm going the other way. <laughs> no YouTube presence, and pretty much every time I use Twitter, I lose a follower. So I'm doing something right. <laughs> you got it figured out. And uh, you, but you were up for the howdy duty gig. Yeah, then I blew that. <laughs> why they didn't like you? I told them they should call the show. It's Howdy Fucking Duty. <laughs> oh, you put a little spin on it. Yeah, that's my spin. <laughs> and they didn't like it. Oh, well, maybe for the kids it would be tough, you understand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, did, so, But you were struck out on your own, didn't you? I think I just struck out. <laughs> I don't know if there was any owning. But I went out there, did that, and then I did it, you know, more... I did it on radio, like yourself. I just figured, hey... I want to be the only marionette in radio. Yeah, and, and, and you are. I was. 
<laughs> you miss having the bands come over to your to your place? I do. It was fun. We would smoke Swisher Sweets. Oh, those are good. And drink... Ro- they are not. <laughs> we would drink Rolling Rock. You get those at the CVS. That's right, yes. <laughs> right behind the counter. And, uh... And then we would drink Rolling Rock, and we would talk about rock and roll. Oh. <laughs> now, you, just on appearance, I know you shouldn't judge somebody by this, but you don't strike me as kind of a rock and roll guy. Oh, I like the jams. I like the hot hits. <laughs> oh, you got something in your playlist right now? What am I listening to? I think I have the... Uh, I have the Tijuana Brass Band over there. That is a oh. hot group. It's hot, hot, hot. Yeah, the Herb Albert. Herb yeah. Albert there. There you go. Yeah, I like the girl yeah. covered in the whipped cream. <laughs> No, it's a fine album cover. It is a fine you, album cover. Have you seen the updates of her lately? They showed pictures of her. I heard about this, and I thought maybe my eyes were bad, but she looked a little older. <laughs> I is, think, that, is that happen? I think she might be a little older. Yeah. But of course, you uh, timeless. You, That's you right. look. I couldn't. I wouldn't even guess your age because you have a youthful vigor about you. Thank you. It's like the Dorian Gray thing, but I was ugly from the start. <laughs> Well, you know, we we're, uh, have a great show that's going off the air, the David Letterman program. Are you going to miss that show? I am going to miss it. I've been watching it religiously since it came on. There's a couple <laughs> eras that I missed, I'm not going to lie. But I will be sad to see him go because he is the best interviewer out yeah, there. Yeah, you take a lot of cues from him when you do your interviews? Yeah, when I don't have an idea, I just play a tape of him interviewing. I just, <laughs> I just steal the whole thing, you know? Yeah, just steal why not? Yeah, you know, why not? Why not? How's nope. he going to know? <laughs> he, he will definitely not know. And will you have any guests that you just would love to have on the show? Some dreams? That I haven't had? Yes. Hmm, let's see. That's a good one. Do they have to be alive? Uh, I might make things easier, but if you have... I've had a couple dead people on. It's not as fun. <laughs> No. Yeah. Talk about a tough interview. Yeah. I think yeah. uh I think David Lee Roth of Van Halen would be a fun guest. He oh. seems like a loose cannon. Yeah, we share a birthday. Is that true? Yeah. Nice. And uh I think Ben Vereen is the other. Ooh. Yeah, pretty pretty good lineup. Yeah, I don't have a birthday. <laughs> but that would be a great show. What, I don't you, have a birthday? You, yeah, that's what should be our show. I don't have a birthday. The lesser known song. Yeah, you mean Ben Vereen and David Lee and myself. And you. That, yeah. I, I want to host that show. Listen, let's try and make it happen. Yeah. That um, would be great. Well, I, I wish you all the success. I know the show's going real well. It yeah, is. You have one coming up? I do have one coming up, and I have some great guests lined up for that. I'm kidding, it's not booked. <laughs> It's difficult producing a show, That's isn't it? That's true. I never know who's going to be on up until sometimes like right before the show. Well, it's good you're doing a lot of research then for it, and you really can go in prepared. That's right. And then they sit down, and I always say the same thing. Oh, so it says here, you're from Cleveland. <laughs> and last show, they were. So 52 <laughs> shows, that actually worked. It's got to happen sometime. Right. And it did. <laughs> you ever been out there, Cleveland? I have. I have. I went on tour with a group of girls called the Reformed Whores. Oh, sure. We you know. Know them well, yes. yes. And we played there. It's a little, it's a little bleak. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bleak. And they did not like the show. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> didn't like it at all. We had an Amish comic on the show. Oh, 
who has been on a couple times, and after he did his act, seven minutes, no laughs, not a laugh, for seven minutes, which felt like 400 minutes, right. a couple in the front looked at each other and looked at him and said, well, now that was just damn weird. <laughs> well, I think, though, in the Amish uh, tradition, you're not supposed to laugh. Laughing is, is, is looked down upon, isn't it? Crap, maybe he's really killing it then. I didn't think about it that <laughs> I think, way. I think so. You're on to something. Yeah, no fancy buttons, no laughter. That's Wrap right. yourself in a quilt. That should be on a billboard. <laughs> well, we'll work on that or another Or your thing. restaurant. <laughs> no fancy buttons. No laughter. I think Cracker Barrel used to have that on their sign, actually. <laughs> I think so. Well, it's a nice place to go and sit on a rocking chair, isn't it? Yeah, that's painted like the Confederate flag. <laughs> that's right. a real right. open-minded establishment, that is. But then you got to give it to them. It says Cracker on the sign, so they're really just telling us... How it is. Like it is. What to expect. Right. We're racists. Have a seat. <laughs> How do you like your biscuits? <laughs> well, they got the nice general store, though. That's true. With the rock candy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You go, little white kid. Here's some rock candy. <laughs> Look a little too dark. Get out. <laughs> oh, no. It's a horrible place. <laughs> you think so? Really? They got sued for that twice. Oh, did they? It's like a Denny's. racist establishment. I see. Well, I'll try to avoid it then from now on. I don't, I don't go there. I don't care for that. Yeah. Yeah. They do have the peg game, though. Okay, I have gone in there <laughs> on a moment of weakness for a peg game okay. on a road trip. See, you can't resist. Sometimes yeah. we have to compromise, but I'm glad to have that information. I'm glad to have a chance to talk to you, too. This is yeah. great. This is fun, great fun. Yeah, well, uh, you're you okay if you, you go back in the bag for a little bit, or are you going to stay out? you got chores to do or something. I think I'm going to go back in the bag and work on my Jeb Bush jokes. <laughs> oh, good. You're going to need them. Some of those write themselves. One quick story before I go. Last oh, show, absolutely. in yeah. the monologue, you know, if you do a monologue, you really get a feel of, you know, this is the consensus of how everyone feels sure. out there in society. And I walked out and I started a joke with this line. I said, and Jeb Bush... And the whole room lost it laughing. So that's a good sign. Didn't have to do a punchline. No, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy. Softball. <laughs> right. Uh, it sounds like a hot crowd. It was a hot crowd. Good. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna come over there and check out the show. Yeah, you should do the show. It sound, sure. That that'd be great. Could have a dueling interview. We'll get a girl with scorecards. Who has the best question? So I you're like from that. Cleveland. <laughs> Well, it's been a treat. Thank you, Artie. Hey, thank you. This is great. Okay, have a good show. Okay, you too. All right. So long. Farewell. How do you say goodbye to a puppet? Does he know he's a puppet? No. Okay. Well, maybe just quietly put him in the bag and see if he notices. It's, it's the spinning that shuts them up. <laughs> it can, it's like punching it's... a shark in the nose. <laughs> well, that's terrific. That's Artie. And Dan. Yeah. You see, I didn't look at you, though. I respect right. the puppeteer's code. That's, that's, you have to go to school for this? Absolutely not. I think that would be, like, the opposite. That's like people who go to bartending school. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you went to college to be a loser? <laughs> what? I'm confused. Do you always like puppets, though? You know what's funny? I think that uh, I've always been, like, obsessed with, like, a... Like model trains and stuff like that, okay. like miniature models and stuff. Like yeah. for real, like my dream is to have uh, underneath Artie's desk like a smaller show <laughs> happening and like a live feed to it, and then a smaller one inside of that. So sort of like there's Russian dolls. That, uh -huh. um, but no, I've never was like really obsessed with puppets, but I've always liked 
bad special effects, which yeah. I think they're kind of linked. You know, like the early Godzillas. Sure. Like I always love in movies when you can see how they're done. Like some it's of the done scenes. Badly. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And there's a little uh, maybe Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh yeah. And uh, oh yeah. You ever see the yeah. the uh, the um, uh, the the uh, Andy Kaufman PBS special? You must have if you've been going up there all the time, where. He sits at the. Oh, if you like spoofs and talk show, you got to watch this one. Oh, I don't, he did he a, got me on one. He did a PBS special, and uh, it's great. He hosts the thing, and Elaine Boozler's on it, and you know, and Tony Clifton comes at him, but his desk is really high, <laughs> so he's talking <laughs> down to the guests from from this perch. That's up there. amazing. And at some point, they come out with a marionette of Tony Clifton. I think it's a marionette. It's uh-huh. some, some kind of thing, a, a puppet version of that character, which is just like the. The vitriol of the other character yeah. condensed into this thing, and just perfect. Oh, go go and watch it because it's really I'm he walks off at some out. point. That's anyway, great. you know it's just a classic uh, Kaufman bit and a great thing about talk shows. And anyway, that's uh, wonderful. And I uh, recently started watching all that Pee Wee stuff again, and it's just that's that's good. I think like they're bringing it back. Well, they're doing the a rumor, movie or something. Right? Is that the thing? I don't know if they're going to bring the TV show. I don't know what isn't there something in the works? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're bringing everything back. They're bringing the Muppets back. They're bringing back Full House. That doesn't need that could have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the other night. You say, why is this thing? Why? You know, why? Why was this ever a thing? <laughs> but uh, and uh, of course, you also play drums too. I do. Yeah. Where'd you grow up, though? I never asked you that. I grew up in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Which is... <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. I think that there's. Um... Boy, that fits. Right. With that character, I'll tell you. That's yeah. the thing. I, I have family there, and I know some good friends. It's something about it. As I've done more and more research on a lot of my favorite comedians and musicians, there's some weird Ohio thing. Yeah. It's yeah. just something. I don't know if it's because you're dead center between the coasts, and if you want to make it, you got to like pick one, and it does something to kind of just be... In the middle, I don't know what yeah. it is, but there's so many entertainers that I like that I've researched, and they're from there. It does something to, I guess, to have to leave and pull something off to go back to like show people, which is like a complete joke. It's like such a romanticized version of being an artist because you go back and you're like, "Hey, I just, I just had you know." Uh, all these famous people on my show. Look at look at the, how cool this is. Do you guys want a free shirt? And they're like, get out of the way. We're watching the game. <laughs> like nobody cares. Whatever you've done, like <laughs> they don't. Care. I remember what yep. band I was playing in. We got like a write up in Rolling Stone, like the this hot band to watch or whatever. And I remember going home and being like, look at this. And they're like, let's go to a game. Yeah. Football's important. <laughs> Nobody cares. So go there for anyone who's listening to this that wants to go back home and show off that they've made it. Well, just don't no do it during an Ohio State game. Yeah, don't do it or a Bengals game or a Cincinnati <laughs> Reds game or a Wildcats game. Or... Plan these things. Yeah. That's all. If anyone has the NFL package <laughs> or the Sports Dish Network package, so you grew up there. I did. I did. I grew up in Cincinnati. And um, amazing. Yeah. So you like the chili? You know, I do. Yeah, people. Yeah. people that's what happens. Yeah. It's. Uh, I did learn the hard way. It's not something that, um, that you try to like. It's not a good date food. <laughs> no, it's not. No, 
<laughs> it was not. I, I was on a, uh, out with a lady friend to go see, um, and uh, she happened to be from there, and she had a can of this stuff, a Skyline oh, Chili, and she can. she made. We went to go see Einstein on the Beach, so Robert Wilson, Philip Glass uh, opera, avant-garde mm-hmm. masterpiece, uh, seven hours long or something. Right, and we. And the chill, you can imagine, 20 minutes watching a bar of light ascend. <laughs> I was feeling it with the skyline. Not a good mix. Your gut was doing the same oh, thing. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Things were dis- descending yeah. in my gut. It was a little bit. But, I, I, well, I'm intrigued by that. And uh, um, I know what you're talking about. But uh, I, I've, I've grown quite fond of uh, the great city of Cincinnati and its proximity to Kentucky and mm-hmm. and all that. And maybe we can talk about that even uh, at a future time, because I'd love yeah. to I love get it. into it with you. And uh, you still playing bands? You still play touring? I do. I, I I play drums with uh, Katie Marie of Reformed Horrors. Yeah. And um, I'm working on a couple soundtracks with people, and then I have a couple other. I have a, a it's I did a fake drum instructional video <laughs> as a character named Buck Nelson. <laughs> Good. And this was about a year before YouTube came out. I don't know how much time we have. I can tell the short version of this. You but... tell the short version of it. And this, like, I put it on VHS, like this bad drum instruction. I just made a horrible drum instructional video. Yeah. And about a year later, a friend of mine is like, man, have you looked on YouTube? And I said, no. I've... It was right when YouTube was still sort of new. Sure, you were skeptical of it. Right. And I looked and it was like, it had like four or 5,000 views or something. Like someone had posted it. <laughs> oh, and then I didn't post it. And then my brother's a professional studio musician was like a couple months later. He's like, dude, you're never going to guess. I was in the studio and, and the engineers were all laughing at this horrible drum video on YouTube. And I go in there and they're like, have you seen this idiot? And he's like, that's my brother. <laughs> and it has since gotten this like crazy cult following. And I've done like fake drum clinics <laughs> as this character. I did a web series uh, as him interviewing some of my favorite musicians. It's wonderful. And it's allowed me to meet outside of the comedy world, yeah. which are like when I was a little kid, the, the posters on my wall weren't, you know, like sports figure. It was, you know, Steve Martin, you know, uh, from the Comedy Isn't Pretty. Yep. Oh, that came with a poster when you bought it on vinyl. <laughs> like I had those posters up. Those are my heroes. And like certain drummers, you know, John Bonham and Stuart Copeland. And doing the drum show, I was able to meet so many of my like drum idol, this ridiculous show. I mean, <laughs> right. A couple of years later, flash forward, I'm, I'm at Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction. I'm like at his house interviewing him <laughs> on his patio, drinking tea. Like it's so it's, wild, it's unexplainable. It? It's the joke that won't die. <laughs> Usually every couple of weeks. And I'm not saying it because it's I'm not like tooting my own. Horn. No, it's no. Just, someone will be like, hey, Buck, no. like someone will say like at the coffee house down the street from here. Someone will inevitably yell some line from the video and well, it's a good name to be called yeah that's right I, that's right there's i've been called I'd, a lot worse right. that anyhow so yeah that's the, i still play and it's um that character just rang it hit some weird note with people i kind <laughs> of can't explain it i think that's the thing about comedy right is like you can especially if you do like i used to do just stand up as myself a yeah. lot i also used to do it as a number of different characters but when you do it you might have this one joke that you love and people just hate. And after a while, you got to learn to like get rid of it. Yeah. They're not going to, 
but this is like the opposite of that. It's this one thing I did and I was doing all this other stuff and that's the only thing people want. <laughs> this guy was called me a couple months ago to do a show in Michigan. He's like, you can do it as Buck Nelson, right? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> but that's what yeah. celebrity seems like to me. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. You're like, you're that guy and then you do, or that woman and you do that thing. You have we to want do, you to do that thing. Yeah. And YouTube has opened up so many different uh, areas of of that, of not, I wouldn't say that Buck Nelson is a celebrity, but as someone who's recognizable on the internet in certain circles, yeah, because of the trolls, the comments you get, <laughs> the I've gotten gigs from comments, which is really weird. <laughs> um, That's good because a lot of times comments don't go well. Right, most of them aren't. <clears throat> I have so many people that hate <laughs> that character. The hatred is what keeps me going. I actually used a guy's hate quote from the comment section i used it on the dvd case (laughs) and i don't i don't know how horrible you can talk on this this thing but you you do what you need his his comment was who i don't know who taught this gay cunt how to play drums oh wow (laughs) so that went on the dvd he had some strong feelings he really didn't like my fake (laughs) drum instruction (laughs) and maybe some issues with women yeah but uh well we wish him well yeah scorpion 666 i think was his he must be happy about that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like everything's going well. And uh, I, lo- I love this idea. I love uh, doing characters. I'm fascinated by that. I love to get into doing, trying on some characters and getting out there and doing it. But I'm just me. I don't know. I'll keep doing it. And I love meeting Artie. That's been great. So when's the next show coming? You, did you say it? It is the 4th. The 4th. And where do you do it? I do it at the Gutter in Williamsburg, which is 200 North 14th. Is that where the Ebola guy was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Good. Okay. I do it every first Thursday of the month back there. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, if it's the first Thursday, you can just go back Check there. And artyneed.com or something? Is yep. 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 No, we'll look at how I got it. I know how the internet works. There this, it is. This is great. Thank you for, for having me over. I really hey, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for doing it. And uh, I've got to get back to come flyer with me. Uh, we have a big meeting coming up, so that I'm thrilled to have a chance to come over and spend some time. And I, I, I love it, and I love knowing that it has some roots in Ohio. Oh, that yeah. little that little seed of bitterness that might be there. I really <laughs> I like to see that grow. Well, uh, right. that's all for now. Thank you, uh, David Letterman and Paul Schaefer, everyone involved with Late Night. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like I should right. thank, thank them. them. Yeah, we should thank them. Emotional, but you know, it's a I funny show. It's a funny show. You continue to inspire. Now, till next time, I'll be making my own puppet band out of empty whiskey bottles and listening to them play ironic pop tunes as my guests walk over to sit on my couch. Now, let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is produced and performed by James Bewley. Musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season 7 theme song composed and arranged by Emily Danger. Season 7 podcast icon designed by illustrator Louis Chin. Posters for live shows this season by James Boyle, Annie Carbo, Claire Proush, and others. Live shows of Dale Radio are held every month at the Pit in New York City. Listen, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and or SoundCloud. For all the latest, visit DaleRadio.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best.